It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, it's also Friday. And, you know, on Fridays, we always like to uh, spend the third hour of our three-hour tour with a spotlight on show business in one way or another. Sometimes it's local musicians. Sometimes it's uh, actors and authors, biographers of uh, famous uh, actors and musicians. But... um, and and we're going to do that today, but but appropriate to the holiday. I saw a new Christmas uh, movie, courtesy of Hulu. It's a Hulu original, streaming on their platform. Saw it earlier this week, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun talking with uh, the star of Cupid for Christmas, Ryan Carnes, who's uh, described as uh, kind of a heartthrob. 
He's uh, appeared in Desperate Housewives, Letters from Iwo Jima. He had a role in uh, Doctor Who for a while. And in this movie, he plays the most romantically hopeless person on earth. Anyway, it's it's a, a funny story where uh, Cupid has to make him fall in love by midnight on Christmas Eve. And, uh, and, and that's coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour today. In the middle, we're going to talk with a critically acclaimed sci-fi author, A.K. Fraley, about a, uh, a, well, a new book. It's, we're going to talk about the release of her 15th book, Old Earth Melchior Encounter. I think that's how you say it, but uh, Anne will tell us all about it when she joins us in the middle of our three-hour tour. But we start out today answering once and for all that age-old question, is Santa Claus real? And according to my guest, uh, who's uh, joining me now by phone, he is uh, a former journalist and an attorney turned author and, um, and a collector of uh, it sounds like all things Santa Claus but uh, we'll find out more from author Tom German about his book uh, which is called Santa Claus Worldwide a history of St. Nicholas and other holiday gift bringers and um, Tom joins me by phone hi Tom welcome to the show Merry Christmas well, thank you Merry Christmas thank you for having me how did you go from being a journalist to a uh, labor and, uh, and employment attorney to um, the knower of all things Santa Claus? Well, the um, transition from journalist to attorney was fairly easy. While journalism is an exciting profession, it's just a tough one. It's very hard on people. Uh, particularly if you're working for a morning daily. So I decided I wanted something that was a little bit easier on the body and went to law school and went to work for two large uh, law firms. Uh, once I became a lawyer, I started collecting Santa Claus figurines, depictions of Santa Claus, large, small, fat, skinny, whatever. And I did that for probably 30 years and compiled a collection of about 4,500 uh, Santa figurines. Uh, but uh, I took uh, early retirement in 2015 and decided I wanted to write. And uh, I started off writing a book about uh, collecting Santa Claus figurines. But the first chapter, which was supposed to be a short history of Santa Claus, I uh, got to be about 250 pages <laughs> when I realized that's not going to work. And so I would write a history of Santa and then move on when that was done to the other things I wanted to write about. How much research did you have to do for this book? Because you talk about not just the 200-year legacy of Santa Claus in America, as most of us are familiar with, but a, a whole history of uh, similar and some very different gift bringers in uh, uh, connection with midwinter holidays. I spent about four years uh, full-time researching the book. I've got a couple of bookshelves six feet tall and three feet wide that are filled with the books that uh, I used in the research. So I spent a lot of time researching. 
And what were there things that you discovered that really surprised you? You had to know some of this stuff from just your collect collecting over the years. Uh, I knew some of it, but but in some ways the whole um, story of the midwinter uh, gift givers was new. And I use the term midwinter gift givers because until about 350 A.D., it was not the birth of um, Jesus that uh, people celebrated on December 25th. It was the winter solstice and the birth and rebirth of the sun god. And that was a month-long celebration. Uh, The weather was cold and dark and uh, plant life and animal life both seemed to die, but uh, uh, early man compensated by having what amounted to a month-long festival, feast, uh, uh, a lot of drinking involved, and, and that was the celebration that became the uh, celebration of the birth of Christ. When you were looking at this, did you come across any any reason or any, uh, oh, what's the word, um, germination of this notion that to celebrate these things, it requires giving things to other people? It, what the, the research showed was that in the um, earliest uh, uh, celebrations, uh, there were pagan uh, gods that were the uh, gift bringer or the the uh, um, uh, chief honcho, I'll call it, in the celebration. Odin in in uh, northern Europe. Um, Berkta was his trusty female sidekick who uh, rode a flying broom down uh, the chimneys at uh, Christmas time, and so it's a it's a practice that has existed for uh, five thousand years probably. Um, and when you get to the Roman celebration of Saturnalia. Um, People would give each other small gifts, generally uh, not worth very much, but candles or little dolls or things like that. And that's where all of the gift bringing comes from. And this, um, was it, did it take away from the religious significance of whatever midwinter holiday was being celebrated the way some people think we have in the in the US? I no, it really didn't. Um uh, well, first of all, um December 25th was in fact the winter solstice. Astronomically, it was the shortest day of the year, the coldest, the darkest. Um, and that had been the case for thousands of years. Um, and um, Jesus did not enter the picture until um, the middle of the 4th century when the uh, Emperor Constantine in Rome converted to Christianity and declared that henceforth they would not be celebrating the uh, birth of the uh, sun god, 
but the birth of Jesus. So there was really no religious connotation except the pagan one until the 4th century. Um, so there was nothing to take away. Um, in a different sense, you know, people talk about, well, happy holidays should uh, uh, be more focused on, on on Jesus, but the truth is that happy holidays means historically happy holy days, and it was the um, 12 days between what we would call Christmas and Epiphany that were being celebrated as the holy days. So that is, in fact, a religious uh, uh, greeting. Well, and there are other religions who have significant religious holidays during the the midwinter season. Every um, religion or um, social group in the northern hemisphere, which is where the the dark period comes in December, um, has some sort of celebration uh, of the uh, winter solstice. Um, among Christians, when the um, predominant uh, uh, Christian church, which would have been the Catholic Church, um, declared that uh, December 25th would be the uh, celebration of the birth of Christ, a number of the Protestant uh, groups that uh, formed after um, uh, Martin Luther's famous declaration in 1517 where he nailed his 95 theses to the uh, church house door, a number of those religions uh, really objected to the celebration of uh, Christmas. They said that Christmas uh, was not in the Bible. There was nothing to show that Jesus was born on twenty on the twenty fifth of December. There was nothing in the Bible that said we should celebrate it. So a lot of the early Christian religions objected to celebration of Christmas, and it was only um, in the last say two hundred years that they have embraced uh, Christmas as a Christian holiday. Has, has anybody tried to identify what uh, what day of the modern calendar year Christ was actually born on? Well, the, the best um, information that, that the experts can give us is that it was probably sometime in April. And, and the reason for that is uh, based on the, the premise that there were shepherds attending newborn lambs in the field and they knew that um they just narrowed they, it down by season kind of right right uh, the, Tom, the newborn lambs were were born in april not in december <laughs> you would not have found uh, shepherds standing out in the middle of the night in the freezing weather in december with their sheep tom i want to talk about uh santa claus and saint nicholas and and all of that but i have to take a short break here can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more absolutely love to great my guest is tom german he is the author of santa claus worldwide the first legitimate history of santa claus in more than a decade we're going to take a short break we'll be back with more right after this
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. From Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, to this Christmas Eve edition of the Tom Sumner Program. We continue now talking about the history of St. Nicholas and other holiday gift bringers from uh, the book Santa Claus Worldwide and author Tom German, who joins me by phone. Uh, Tom, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. It's my pleasure. Um, now, we were talking a little bit about uh, about sort of the, the history of Santa Claus, or the history of holiday gift bringers, kind of pre-Santa Claus, but how did the image that we know of today, or as described in the, the Clement Moore poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, the, the red suit and the beard and all of that, how did that all come about? Well, you've got to go back just a little bit to um, 1100 or 1200 A.D. Um, at that point, uh, there were still celebrations of uh, the winter solstice uh, and the birth of Jesus, um, but the primary gift giver was a pagan god like Odin, and the Catholic Church did not appreciate uh, pagan gods being involved in its uh, holy services. So it looked around and found that the saint whose feast day was closest to the winter solstice uh, was St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas had not really been very well known, and a lot of people say the evidence shows he may not even have existed. Uh, but in any event, he wasn't officially a, a Catholic saint. They chose him to be the gift giver, and that worked fine until the Protestant Reformation in 1500. The Protestants didn't want a Catholic saint as a gift giver any more than the Catholics wanted a pagan god as gift giver. So the Catholics stuck with St. Nick, but Protestants uh, came up with their own gift givers, and these were mostly done on a localized basis, and they were what I call the terror men. They were, they were scary-looking uh, uh, folks. They had long, dirty beard and hair, and they wore pelts. Of, of animal skins. They looked a little bit like uh, Hagrid in the uh, Harry Potter series. <laughs> he were only about six feet tall, if you can imagine that, that look. That was the Protestant uh, gift givers. There was nothing in America until uh, 1821. That year, a publisher in New York wrote a children's book called The Children's Friend. 
and it told the story of a gift giver who was um, sort of halfway between the really scary um, terror man and the the red and white Saint Nicholas, and they called him Santa Claus, which was a name that uh, we think came from Germany. Um, significantly, he arrived in a sleigh pulled by a flying reindeer, something that had never been seen or heard of before. He went down the chimney. He left gifts in stockings hung by the uh, uh children's bedposts, actually. But it was the first original creation of the figure we think of as Santa Claus. But the book didn't uh, last. It sold few uh, copies. Uh, was there uh, any illustration to it, Tom? Had, 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 had there been an attempt to create the look that we've come yes. to know? Yes, and that's actually um, the illustrator, Arthur Stansberry, um, really was more important than the story. The story was sort of mean-spirited. It was more about punishment of bad kids than rewarding good kids. But the illustrations were wonderful, and the illustrations really carried the story. Well, uh, the the publisher, William Gilley, lived directly across the street on Broadway in southern Manhattan from a uh, seminary professor named Clement C. Moore. And Clement Moore, we believe, bought the book, decided it was too mean-spirited for his children, and spent a year between 1821 and 1822 rewriting it as a warm, family-friendly um poem, and he read it to his family in 1822, and one of the people present, uh, uh, a friend of the family, we think, uh, gave it anonymously to a newspaper in Troy, New York, uh, which published it under the name Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas. And in those days, newspapers were free to just publish and republish things like that. So every year it would be published someplace or another. And after um, four or five decades, it had become a um, well-known poem. And a couple more decades, it had become really the um, definitive uh, uh, look and definition of Santa Claus. And and out of that grew this uh, this image of the the red and white fur suit and the big white beard and the cap and the sleigh and the reindeer. All of that from this original story. It's all in um, the night before Christmas when and, and it was pretty much all in uh, the children's friend. So it was not a huge, you know, multi-year development. It was two stories that set forth what Santa was, what he looked like, the name, and uh, uh, he went off from there. And I, I just can't help wondering, because in, in recent, in the last couple of decades or so, there's been a lot of pushback against um, Santa Claus 
um, as being tied to this idea of of just wanton gift giving and and commercialization and um, you know that that somehow he represents um, retail. And that's that's a um, uh, twist on Santa Claus that has developed without regard to the actual facts about about how Santa Claus really developed. He was not um, originally um, a uh, uh, pusher of of merchandise. He was not a salesman. Um, he represented love. He represented generosity, um, but the gift giving was was part of him. But it wasn't really, you know. If you read the night before Christmas, you don't get the impression that this is all about greedy kids and and parents spending lots of money and things like that. It, it, it's 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 a warm, family friendly story, and it. The, the real um, importance of the night before Christmas was that it took the celebration of Christmas from what was sort of a, a drunken uh, bacchanalia on Christmas Eve in most European countries um, and to the extent it, it, it uh, had gotten to America in some uh, American uh, cities was filled with people who were eating and drinking and uh, 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 playing music and staying up late into the night. Um, and what the night before Christmas did was it created a family holiday on Christmas morning because if, you, if the kids had to be to sleep, um, before Santa Claus would come, and that's part of the night before Christmas, then the kids would go to sleep early. The parents would uh, go to sleep early, and everybody would get up on Christmas morning for a family celebration. And so the night before Christmas really turned the celebration from a late-night revelry to a family celebration on Christmas morning. Can you blame the the association with Santa Claus and commercialization with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? It's pretty hard in my mind. Uh, I mean, Macy's uh, was the the first, uh, actually was the second uh, parade to feature uh, Santa Claus. And it was on Thanksgiving, and it was just sort of, bringing him in. And yes, Macy's took the opportunity to to remind people that they were getting into the Christmas season, but it's a little bit hard to blame one parade on, you know, a whole <laughs> course. Of, but it, but it did become it did become a symbol for kicking off the the retail part of Christmas, the the buying season. Oh, many, only so many more shopping days till Christmas and that sort of thing. That's true. It's true. And, and um, movies um, uh, about the, the, the um, holiday did the same thing. So I suppose if you want to make the case, I've never viewed it that way. Um, 
the the commercialization of of Christmas um, is not an inherent part of um, the holiday. The holiday is, I think, the English uh, um, author called it uh, the the feast of humankind. It is it is a um, annual feast in which we all celebrate throughout the world the 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 gift of being human and the um, celebration is more about that than about merchandise it's 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 we all get together um, in my mind you know getting together with your family um, both your 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 um, close family and your extended family where that's possible is the the single most important thing about Christmas is is, is everybody getting together and celebrating um, their their familyhood. Two two other things that have become uh, sort of traditional, or or at least were when I was growing up, Tom, was the idea of of writing a letter to Santa Claus, telling him what you wanted for Christmas, and the other was visiting Santa Claus. At, um, at the mall or a department store, do you have any idea how those things got started? Um, if I had my uh, uh, research books here, I could I could tell you exactly. But um, in the 30s and 40s was when writing letters to Santa and and uh, um, visiting uh, department stores became very very popular. But the first um, uh, examples of, of that are actually in the in the uh, uh, 1840s, so really much earlier. And the very first one was not come visit Santa Claus, but come visit Kris Kringle, um, who was the original um, name used in uh, Pennsylvania for the uh, Christmas uh, gift giver, and it developed over time. Where did that name come from? Chris Kringle uh, comes from a German uh, word, uh, uh, Chris Kindle, and that means uh, Christ child. Um, after the Reformation, the 1500s, 1600s, um, the uh, Protestant religions that uh, supported the celebration of Christmas. Some, as I as I mentioned, said we don't want any celebration. Some said uh, celebrate it in a respectful fashion, and, and Martin Luther was one of uh, those people who said we celebrate Christmas respectfully, and the gifts should come from the Christ child, not from... Saint Nicholas, the Catholic saint, or or anybody else. Um, the problem was that uh, a, a newborn baby was not very capable of carrying gifts around the world. So they <laughs> created a figure who was a um, sort of young woman, twenties uh, generally. Um, she wore a um, wreath on her head of um, lighted candles, a long golden or silver dress 
generally depicted as uh, um, long blonde hair, um, and very similar to the um, uh, figure in uh, um, other parts of Europe uh, that was not officially uh, Chris Kindle, but was the the female um, accompanist to the uh, um, Santa or to the other gift givers. So um, this this figure, Chris Kindle, was a German uh, creation when you when the Germans um, immigrated to America in the early 1800s, late 17, early 1800s. Um, they brought the concept of this figure, Chris Kindle, uh, but people didn't uh, understand that that meant the Christ child, that that was a, a female depiction in Europe, and so they converted uh, Chris Kindle into Chris Kringle. So they combined the the um, male gift-giving figure as depicted in St. Nicholas or as depicted in Santa Claus in, in 1821 by William Gilley into a figure that became known as Chris Kringle. There was a similar um, example of what I'll call mispronunciation where there had been a, uh, a Protestant German gift-giver named Pelznickel, which meant Nicholas in Pelz or Nicholas in Fur, and he was one of the the, the terror men, the scary-looking guys. Well, he became in Pennsylvania known as Belschnickel, and he was simply a a counterpart of Chris Kringle. So you had different uh, uh, gift givers develop in. Uh, Pennsylvania, you had St. Nicholas, and there was sort of a competition for a period of time in the late 1800s, and eventually it was Santa Claus who prevailed as the agreed-upon gift-giver in um, America, but only after Chris Kringle and and, uh, Bell's Nickel and um, St. Nicholas had sort of faded. Was it Clement Moore, who rounded up the other seven reindeer and named them all? Yes. Yes, he did. Where did the Uh, elves come from? The elves are a later um, uh, tradition. Um, There are elves in an 1851 book, um, but the elves in that book are about an half an inch tall, and the Santa Claus figure is supposedly about an inch tall, so it's not really a a good example of where they came from. Um, But the uh, elves developed um, over time, um, and it wasn't really until the uh, 1900s that the elves became a more established part of the uh, Christmas myth. The other uh, uh, figure who... uh, was added to the original uh, group was Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Rudolph, we know very specifically, was 
part of a a book that was written by an advertising executive at Montgomery Ward in Chicago, and it was extraordinarily popular. Um, and it was just a, a well. The the song handout. helped. The song helped <laughs> a lot, but, but but the great the great story here is that. Um, the head of Montgomery Ward, uh, in thanks for this very popular promotion, gave the fellow who wrote it um, the rights to uh, the the figure. So he only he could you know sell Rudolph the Red Nosed Ranger uh, things. His cousin uh, was a songwriter and wrote several um, well-known Christmas songs. And he took Rudolph and wrote a song, uh, and they convinced, uh, over his initial objection, they convinced uh, Gene Autry to sing it, and it was a huge hit. <laughs> and, and Rudolph has become... Um, one of the few well-established additions to the original um, Santa Claus tradition, along with, I would say, the elves. You know, we've um, we've almost run out of time, Tom, and I feel I'm having so much fun talking about this with you. I, I guess I, I just have uh, two quick questions left. One is, did the New York Supreme Court get it right in Miracle on 34th Street in declaring <laughs> that Santa Claus exists? Well, what I say in my book and what I believe is that Santa Claus exists. I have 4,500 Santa Claus figures. I tell my children, <laughs> uh, and they give me that sort of, Dad, you're an idiot look. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we've all experienced it. Sure. Um, and um, I, I say it only half tongue-in-cheek because Santa Claus is a symbol. He's a symbol of the goodwill of Christmas. He's a symbol of the holiday, he's a symbol of the spirit of the Christmas season. And the Christmas season, I should emphasize, is like from Thanksgiving to New Year's, only one day of which is a Christian holiday. The rest of it is quite secular. And um, Santa is a secular figure that represents the the spirit of the, the uh, um, holiday. And symbols are real. The American flag is a symbol, but no one doubts that it is real, and people have fought and died for the American flag. Um, so, yes, Santa exists. He exists as a symbol, and, and he's a powerful and, and a real symbol. That's the way I view it. And, and Tom, I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future, because I understand that this is uh, the first volume of a planned trilogy. Um, do you have a website, Tom? I have a website. It is called A Collection of Santas. So it's just one word, uh, dot com, and it has... Um, illustrations of the historical Santas going back to the uh, 1600s, 1700s, up to the uh, uh, late 1800s. I didn't 
into the 1900s because at that point you sort of uh, there's no way to capture all of the images. Um, it has um, stories. It has a lot of information that anybody who who's interested in uh, Santa uh, would be. Uh, well, great. In. Tom, we have to end it there, but keep up the good work. Hi, this I is Joe Bai from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development cooperation with other experts worldwide and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Happy Holidays! From Haley, Alex, Alexis, Help! And the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. There's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus there. Everywhere you look, you can't escape, there's Santas everywhere. Bells are ringing, children screaming, something doesn't seem right. His beard is gray and that's a nice toupee, but his eyebrows ought to be white. There's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus there. One at the mall and one in the window, sitting in a velvet chair. Fat one, skinny one, tall one, short one, cheeks so rosy and bright. That Christmas cheers smells a lot like beer, old Santa Claus. In the house. Yo ho ho! Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! No, I cannot make a twenty dollar bill and very sorry. Ho ho ho! Hi! What am I doing here? Happy Hanukkah! Just saw Santa Claus, just saw Santa Claus, just gave a Santa Claus change. Drove downtown and a bell ringing Santa Claus hit me up again. When those sleigh bells jingle jangle on my rooftop tonight. Will my chimney be backed up with Santa's all crammed in tight? There's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus there. Everywhere you look, you can't escape the Santas everywhere. Bells are ringing, children screaming, something doesn't seem right. His beard is gray, that's a nice to play, but his eyebrows ought to be white. up there on that rooftop you ain't got no id well you're gonna have to come along with me christmas is sure to fail santa is stuck in jail miss claus freak and the elves are on the street trying to raise money for bail 
Just forget about that price Ba-doo-be-doo, Santa honey I want a yacht and really that's not a lot I've been an angel all year Santa baby, hurry down my chimney tonight Santa cutie, there's one thing I really do need Indeed, a year's supply of pantyhose Santa cutie Hurry down my chimney tonight Santa baby, 
fill my stocking with a duplex and checks on second thought i'd rather have cash santa baby hurry down my chimney tonight come and trim my christmas tree Bronner's decorations picked just for me Santa, won't you show me your love is true mm. Boop, boopy-doo Santa, baby, forgot to mention one little thing or two You see, I want a Mickey D's franchise like the Deanna's have And I want one of those souped-up, turbocharged, fuel-injected bowling balls That makes a strike every time I'll show Higgy, Taz, and Tack that a girl can bowl too And I want almost everything in the Coldwater Creek catalog Flippo needs a lot of bird toys Betty Reagan wants a four on the floor with a fifth under the seat Ronnie needs a housekeeper Dane wants a hunting lodge Jason has a computer on his list And Santa, my mom says all she wants is for everybody to get along for Christmas for a change Oh yeah, and that pretty German sweater in the window at the woolen mill to keep me warm while I'm waiting for you Oh gosh, I guess the song is over
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 